Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Please Watch This. We're a film podcast where two film-loving mates with gaps in their viewing history recommend films to each other so they can once and for all answer the question, who has better taste? As always, I'm Sam Blakely and as always, for the 81st time, I'm joined by Hugh Dempsey. Hugh, how are you? Hello Sam, you alright? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thank you. Good, good. Presumably good, no good. no stories of no, nothing this week's lockdown week 845. <laughs> Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, this reminds me of the time. Sit, on, sit back and relax, children. No, I've nothing. Let's let's get into it. I think, shall we? Shall, shall we? We, shall we have we a third member on this uh, here episode. We're joined uh, with by a new guest. This is Harper from uh, Harper Overthinks. Harper, welcome to please watch this. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, it's, it's quite shit. all the way from yeah. New York. Yeah. The good shit, please watch this. Yeah, I'm so... <laughs> I mean, this very playfully, gentlemen. I'm so happy to be your your token for, for this uh, for this podcast episode. <laughs> you got yourselves a, a brown trans woman New Yorker and American. <laughs> yeah. We wanted to tick all the boxes in one guest and then get back to straight yes. white cis men. That's what we wanted, you know. Just British voices who voted Brexit. Yeah. They yeah. like ketchup and chips. <laughs> I personally like a little intimidated, not just because of the cis man thing. Absolutely. Um, if we had a HR department, they'd be delighted yeah, right now. <laughs> but from you know that aside, yeah. uh, Harper, maybe in fact, well, let's do a little intro then for for you to our listeners. You know, um, let's start with the obvious question: What are your top five favorite films ever? Go. Oh Christ! I. Uh, five top top five films of all time. All right. Um, uh, I'd say the Raid One and Two are my favorite movies in general of all time. Um, uh, specifically did not, did also. Not that. <laughs> no, I haven't seen Raid um, Two. Is it as good? Better? Slightly worse? I've seen Raid One. It it that's like comparing apples and oranges. Oddly enough, because like <laughs> you know. There, so. Yeah, oh, what? <laughs> um, like, because, like, the Raid 1 is, like, a sort of, like, survival horror with martial arts in it, and then the second one is, like, uh, un- the same undercover cop just infiltrating a gang, and, and like, the-, the tensions are different, uh, but you can also right. tell it's within the same universe. It's also, like, slightly campier because, like, there is a villain that operates by... Uh, hitting people with a baseball bat and like flings a baseball at people, you know. It's <laughs> it's good it, to have a it's good to have an affectation like you know like your own niche if you're a bad guy. <laughs> yeah, I have a unique way of killing people. <laughs> it's up. inefficient. It's wildly inefficient. <laughs> <than> mine. Yeah, <laughs> it's so hard to sell that movie to people because they're just like, oh, is it as good as the Raid one? And I'm just like, I I, <laughs> I mean like is I it love it. To, I, is it is it similar to Dread, the Judge Dread film? Yes, the, the first, first one is anyway. Is it, oh, is it the first one? Right, I wasn't sure if it was the second one. Have you seen yeah. it, Hugh? Have you seen any of the raids? I've seen the first one. Okay. I've not seen the sequel. Yeah. Uh, I think we know what people... Harper's second episode is going to be. <laughs> the raid. Oh, yeah. The raid, oh, the raid oh, 2, oh Raid Harder. Raid 2, Raid Harder. <laughs> the Raid Harder Vengeance. <laughs> the Raid The Raid, raid, raid the Vengeance, yeah. <laughs> Live free or Raid Hard. <laughs> I could go on. <laughs> the Raid 2, Infinity War. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So that's the raid one and two. So yeah, what's your other three other favorite films I, then? I would also say um, uh, your name, the animated um, anime <sighs> movie. 
not a clue. Not a clue here. Oh, it's oh my god! It's one of those movies where you could just like pause any part, like pause to any frame, and just make it into a wallpaper. It's one of the most aesthetically beautiful things I've ever seen. Oh. It's a sort of coming of age story about a boy and a girl who are having dreams about being each other. And they're, like, writing notes in each other's, like, notebooks being like, who are you? Do I know you? And, like, uh, they find out through, like, these notes that they're switching bodies in their dreams. Oh. So, like, they start oh, to cool. understand each other, like, their com- the complexity of their genders. So it's it's and, Freaky like... Friday, basically. It's yes. that um, <laughs> film, through... isn't there an American film called In Your Eyes or Through Your Eyes? I'm sure I saw that. It was pretty bad, but it was like that. It was a woman and a man, other sides of the country. They would occasionally, yeah, that dream or wake up Seattle, as the so. other one, like, looking through their point of view. And then they have to try and find each other. I, I assume it's America making some money off some anime again. Yeah. Oh, my God. I've never sure heard it's called of that Through Your Eyes. Yeah, never it was shit. But it was a similar <laughs> sort of... That, well, I wouldn't yeah. say that you could pause at any point and make a poster, but I won't judge your name uh, by that. <laughs> that sounds good, <laughs> I, mean, I might have to catch yeah. that. I'm going to stick that on my, my watch list. Yeah. And, yeah. and then final, final film? No? Choice number four. Choice number four. Cho- choice number four, I would honestly say, like, a tie between John Wick 2 and 3. Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Even John Wick 1. <laughs> John, Wick John, Wick John Wick 1 was, like, fine, but, like, the the, the, climb, the, gr- the biggest climax scene involved him doing judo in the rain with, like, an old man, you know? Like, it's... <laughs> <laughs> Sign me up. I've only seen the first one. Yeah. Have you seen the first one? I'm all over that. They're okay. Yeah, I'm not. I I I don't mind them, but I don't. I'm not in. Nah, I, I'm I'm easy going with them. Do you know what I mean? I probably wouldn't go to the cinema to see one if I'm being brutally honest. Yeah, but and, but I appreciate uh, them. I appreciate them. Whether well, the, the fascinating choices. I, d- I don't know. I don't know if there's anyone else on the planet who'd have that five as their five. That's not meant as criticism. All just kind of like interesting to have two two sets of sequels, uh, both like cool action. Martial arts. I mean, you're quite big into martial arts cinema generally. Oh yeah, because like, um, I grew up uh like loving martial arts ever since like I was two. Like the very first video game I ever played was called Streets of Rage. You know, I oh, uh, love, that Streets of Rage. love that oh, game. Love that game. Oh my god. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I grew up watching Jackie Chan movies, and like you know, there I I realized through him and through um. Uh, Bruce Lee movies that there that there are different ways to like fight people in the movies and like there is a it's like a perfect like way to enhance or sometimes uh ruin um a movie like having fight scenes directed or like uh done in a certain way like uh the reason why I really like the Raid One and Two and uh the John Wick movies is not only because, like, these... The main characters, like, don't exude some sort of, like, weird toxic masculinity around them. Like, they don't have a big, like, bravado around them all the time. Like, John Wick is, like, a modest guy who just wanted a dog, you know? Um, yeah. Like, that is Keanu a Reeves. story. I mean, the, yeah, no, the, the word toxic yeah. has never been used around Keanu other than say he's uh, non-toxic. Absolutely. <laughs> like, he is what every guy should be, you know? Um, he's very but, chill, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. But, like, also, like, I, I really appreciate those movies, especially because, like, I, uh, you know, I used to work in a coffee shop in New York City, and I actually uh, became friends with, like, a lot of the stunt coordinators of those movies, and wow. I briefly had, like, a stint where I wanted to get into stunt work with uh, 
with them. And like, I, I did practice a couple of scenes, like not scenes, but like, you know, like reenactments with, uh, some key members of the stunt team before. And, uh, cool you know, like, yeah. And I was like briefly like trained in like boxing and, uh, and, and Penchok's a lot and just like, just understanding like is. the philosophies. <laughs> Oh, that's yeah. that's the Indonesian martial art uh, showcased in uh, Rank One right, and Two. Right, right, right. I see. Sorry, have you seen the? Uh, I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of the Corridor Crew, uh, Corridor Digital. They do a lot of like, um, you yeah, know, watching stunt scenes with stunt people. I do find that fascinating. Yeah, yeah so too. much fun. Yeah, well, that's that's interesting. We we, we now understand your cinema soul. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> that's, yeah. So that's what we, that we're is... looking into the the mind's eye of your cinema soul there with uh, all those films. Um, so and where here's, would... here's a little bit more insight, actually. Uh, yeah. So uh, Harper actually film, recommended like? the film for this week. Uh, yeah. Quite interestingly, oh, sorry, Hugh's making hand gestures. What no, no, this? I was just wondering where does this film sit? Like right, in okay, list yeah. Of... So... So Harper asked to be on the podcast and you seem like a pretty cool person who was in a a very pretentious Facebook group but you weren't pretentious so I thought oh yeah sure let's whatever film you want to do and you chose Never Let Me Go which is as the listener knows from the title of the episode this week's film. Uh, Yeah where does it rank what what do you love about it and uh, why did you choose it? Oh I love about what I love about this movie like to put it in a nutshell uh is that it hurts so good. (laughs) (laughs) I want to apologize to you both because I was not expecting it to hurt so much. And I was like, cause like, cause usually like, uh, if I was to choose like a good first episode, uh, for a pot for a movie podcast, I would, I would usually choose a purposely bad movie or I would choose, uh, a, a movie that's like not, uh, th- that's not really harmful or anything. Like I wouldn't go in and be like, "All right, let's watch um, Thirteen Reasons Why." Like I wouldn't like <laughs> do something inherently like offensive to people. But I, w- <laughs> but like, never let me go is like one of the weirdest like um interpersonal movies that involves sci-fi. I only wanted to suggest this because I never saw it, and uh, I briefly studied English in in uh, college. And, uh, I pretended I got an A on, on my tests about Never Let Me Go, but I'd honestly never read it. So I, I owed it, <laughs> I owed it to myself to be like, you know what, let's talk about this with like, you know, two lovely, you know, Englishmen on a podcast that I, I owe my professor this. <laughs> Don't but you have seen the film. I just want to clarify this, this report. <laughs> you have actually seen the film. You haven't watched like everything wrong with or cinema scenes. <laughs> You've actually no, seen the read, film from start to He's just read the cliff notes on the film. <laughs> I, I saw it. Yeah, I... That's good. I, That's good. Well, not before uh, I suggested it to you guys. I was just like, oh, <laughs> I was just like, never let me go. That's a harmless, that's a harmless idea. Oh my God. <laughs> Playing fast and loose with our podcast. I mean, I'm, I'm up for it. I'm, I'm yeah. all game for these. Uh, for these. I did once do that for an English uh, project. We had to do a, a talk to the class on a book we read. Uh, it was, it had to be a slave narrative. And I, 
I supposedly read what I know why a caged bird sings by Maya Angelou, and I I just really read the cliff notes and the york notes on it, and the you know the Uh-oh. like just Google it, and um, sort of like now I think back, I looked underprepared as well as being underprepared because <laughs> you know like in a notepad you've got obviously let's say a hundred pieces of paper and then a cardboard pit at the bottom. I'd used all the paper and I had the cardboard <laughs> and I had my notes for the presentation on the cardboard pit at the bottom, <laughs> and the teacher Damn. very rightly at the ass asked me to wait behind. <laughs> <laughs> and, and just talk to me about <laughs> my work ethic. Basically. Did you uh, get caught out? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got caught out. Yeah, I wasn't as you, uh, oh, wasn't you, as cunning as Harper. There you go. Sam's acting career was never going to take off because it. <laughs> yeah. it was over before it began. So I'll give a quick synopsis. Then, obviously, listener, yeah. if you've clicked on this, you know that it's about Never Let Me Go. You're either a, a devoted listener and therefore my brother, or you've <laughs> seen the film and you want to hear us talk about it. There are spoilers afoot. I'll give a really super quick synopsis. It's a, a really sort of posh private school type thing, uh, type place. There's these young children. We soon find out that they are clones. Who are being essentially harvested for organs? They've been they've been raised to be organ harvesters, you know, organ resource pots uh, for people uh, because it means that things like lung cancer and whatever are not a problem in the future because you just get a lung off one of these one of these clones. And they find this out while they're at school, but they live their life uh, knowing that they're going to be uh, harvested for their organs until completion, uh, as they often say. And it's. Carrie Mulligan, Kira Knightley, Andrew Garfield in a sort of love triangle, uh, along with some wonderful old uh, actors and actresses, really. So I don't want to get too deep into the synopsis. If you've seen it, you know what it's about. If you haven't seen it, that's basically all, all you need, really. So the, I, I think that is the best way I can think of putting this, isn't it? It's, it's a, what was it? It hurts so good. The, the masochist dream, uh, <laughs> oh God, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> that is a good way of describing it actually. It really is and it, and it is, and it's a beautifully shot film. It really is beautiful. I mean um did you did you get to I mean what do you remember of the of not reading the novel Harper, you know to what extent did you get a sense of the novel from from looking at Google? Oh, what what exactly was your question? <laughs> so what kind of a sense did you get from the novel uh that you didn't read? That you didn't read. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So um the that's such a hard question to ask because like um i feel like there's a little it. bit of a I, yeah i i didn't like read it and like <laughs> and like the i literally judged the book um based on like the the outer the, cover of it perhaps <laughs> yeah <laughs> the outer cover and like it's called never let me go and it's people like running yeah. away towards a sunset and i was just like oh this is like a romantic movie about people escaping from their fates and i'm just like no they did it like what the hell like <laughs> spoiler alert yeah exactly yeah, yeah. no that's i mean I, I this was i could it was funny because i was just looking at what the runtime was to find out how long i could play fifa before i had to watch it last night before i went to bed and <laughs> i saw it described on wikipedia like the a very quick search heading it was this is a dystopian romantic tragedy and i thought oh god i didn't i didn't know any of that i knew it was a romantic film i thought it was going to be like just basically a a rom, maybe not even a rom com, you know, just a rom. <laughs> just a rom. Uh, just I thought, a well, rom. yeah, we'll go yeah. ahead. Harper, it's one of her, f- her favorite films, so it must be good, and therefore mm. uh, we should watch it. Uh, obviously, these are these are all revelations for us all. But yeah, it was a really different film to what I expected, really. Yeah. Um... What did you like about the film, Sam? For me, one of its greatest strengths was the flawless exposition, almost a lack of exposition. But actually, you got to learn lots about it. There was there wasn't like 
some evil big brother figure with a PowerPoint presentation. You know, you just learnt it organically through the film. They were obviously sat down at one part, uh, one bit from their teacher to explain to them what their purpose is. But you would just get things in conversation and it was, and it just, it never felt inorganic. It never felt like there was a character telling another character something they already knew, which me and Hugh often rail against, you know, two scientists in a room yeah. saying, we should do this. And the other one says, yeah, I know, I've been working it for 10 years. You don't have to tell me. <laughs> yeah. don't, yes, I know, don't tell I work me. it too. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and, I, and I thought really kind of whether or not somebody liked this film would come down to whether they wanted the the protagonist to be uh, what uh, Nietzsche would call either an active nihilist or a passive nihilist, and they're really passive nihilists. Um, and what it means by that is that they they don't have the the sort of strength to overcome their their issue. They just they kind of just surrender to it, even though they try to come up with some ways out of it. They they accept it. They, they're allowed cars, and they don't just drive and then get on a boat and get out of yeah. there. You know, they they <laughs> accept their fate. Um, yeah, and I think I think whether you like this film comes down to whether or not you accept that choice of theirs to be passive rather than active. Because this could be a totally different film where they're real against it, and it could be like the film Equilibrium, you know, where they're bringing down the system and all that. Yeah. But it's not that film at all, is it? I do mm. love Equi- Equilibrium, by the way. Cool. What are some of the things you liked about <laughs> it, um, Harper? Oh, oh, I didn't hear that, Sam. Sorry. What was what were some of the things that you liked about it? I yeah I um. I really like that it actually subverted my expectations in a lot of ways because, like, um, as soon as it's sometimes the... good, yeah, well, yeah, uh, <laughs> Game of Thrones season eight, <laughs> yeah. Jesus, the, the Last of Us Part Two, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> especially the Last of Us Part Two, but um, <laughs> but uh, in terms of like subverting my expectations, like you know this uh, this movie tells you what the hell is going to happen to these uh to these children from the get go within the ne- within the first 10 minutes said by that lovely actress who is also in the shape of water and um, she was yes yes yeah she's oh, oh my god yeah she's an interesting actress i um but i as soon as she said to the kids like hey so this is what the fuck's going to happen to you and there's <laughs> nothing you can do about it like I... she wasn't from New York, so that's not the basic. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you guys are fucked. <laughs> right, Joey, get me a cup of Joe. Okay, kids, listen up. This is the real truth. <laughs> fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> You're all gonna get harvested. You gotta live your life. <laughs> yeah, yeah oh, I'd like that. Film. That's the film. That's the. I want to see. That's the American remake. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> she's just telling them that like on the New York subway for some reason eating <laughs> but like yeah she uh, once I really that re- that scene really messed me up because like you know it she that could have been t- told to us at the end of the movie and that could have been the entire premise but as soon as um uh, she said that to all the children in that one scene I knew immediately, like, okay, well, clearly this movie is not going to be about what she, what she just said. It's about yeah. them reacting to that. And and uh, the way that the kids reacted to that and, like, the way that they are encouraged not to... I'm discouraged from leaving the grounds, like, in that other scene where she's mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, I saw that you 
dropped the that you left the ball over there outside the courtyard. Why didn't you go get it? He's like, oh, well, because we heard these uh, stories about, um, you know, like this one child who uh, tried to go there and like wasn't let back in, and another child who uh, who got his limbs cut off by the <laughs> by outsiders or something. Yeah. And uh, she's like, do you believe these stories? And particularly Ruth's character. Um, R- Ruth was just straight up like, yeah, who would make up who would make up a terrible story like that? Which is like telling yeah. of her as a person because all she has done up until the end of uh, of her arc is that all she has done is make up stories. You know? <laughs> That's good. It's a really That's perfect, good. like, ironic scene. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's it's very telling of the in- indoctrination they're they're going through, isn't it? And uh, and their difficulty in overcoming that. Because I suppose because we see them at such a young age, we we know that children can be so impressionable, uh, and you have years of that indoctrination without any outside influence whatsoever. You can see how they would be so passive later in life. And um, it's a question I want to get into when we get into Hugh's views because I want to get a sense of, of Hugh's views on this as well. But it, uh, it it's such a metaphorical film, and you could probably. You could probably go, oh, yeah, this film says we live in a society, that kind of way that people dismiss <laughs> the Joker, even though the Joker's quite a good film, I think. Um, yeah. Or you could, you know, be a grown-up about it and, like, <laughs> see that it is actually quite a good metaphor for, for many different things. What I really liked as well was that it, was, um, it wasn't a near-future dystopia. It's not like saying, let's not do this. It's a it's a past dystopia because it's, it's basic scientific breakthroughs that were decades in the past uh, saying isn't it good we didn't go down that road and we shouldn't yeah you know and i do like that it wasn't just trying to predict 50 years into the future because they age so quickly if you set it 40 years before it's set before it's if you set it 40 years before it's made then it it doesn't age does it no which gives it a timeless quality yeah which is great and i have read i have uh, read one more kazuo ishiguro book than harper actually i read buried giant um <laughs> i don't know why i read it i think the, the cover was really beautiful and i'd seen his name and i recognized his name he got the nobel prize for literature a few years ago and it is stunningly beautiful in the same way that this film is it's um it's kind of it's set in some strangely kind of medieval kind of time maybe just over a thousand years ago kind of time and uh, but it doesn't really specify, and it's a it's it's about what it's like to be an early kind of Albion Britain back then. But also, it's about nobody really remembers the past, and it's it's I don't know. It's really hard to describe. But basically, an old couple go on a quest to try and find their their son because they can't remember they can't remember why he left. He's like an adult son. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's just really beautiful, and it's it's a it's an audio book that I bought to fall asleep to. I read the actual physical book a few years ago, but. Uh, yeah, I listen to the to the audio book quite a lot because it's just really pretty and beautiful. Which it's hard to say that about just words on a page, really. But it just it, it's in, it's evoked something that's way more uh, resonant to me than most novels I've read for the last ten years, let's say. Uh, and I think this film captures that. And it's written by and it's you know the, the screenplay was Alex Garland, who's a wonderful screenwriter. We mm. saw from Ex Machina, also a wonderful director. Um, so yeah, lots of good things. The composer Rachel Portman gets a lot of credit, I think, and the cinematographer Adam Kimmel. They just they just create this beautiful film. Um, Harper, what things might you not like, or what do you think people might not like about this, or is there anything you didn't like about this film? Um, I that's that's really hard to say. Um, mostly because like, um, I feel like my few complaints about that movie are like 
like if I was to say it, I would also understand if people were just like, well, duh, that's the point, you know? <laughs> uh, uh, I really like uh, Kathy as a person and as a character, but I personally uh, wish that maybe her her storytelling would have been uh, a little bit more effective if she seemed unreliable as a person because like she mm. ke- she keeps a lot of things to herself um she like and and it's so well acted because uh you know whenever she's like really distraught she says nothing and her face sort of like remains the same but she just like is like crying silent silently like that is every you know that is uh I know that's the point of her character, but I also think that like it would have been interesting uh, if she was uh, shown to be like a less reliable person to like to hear uh, this entire narrative from, you know, because like the entire time I kept thinking to myself, what is she thinking? Why is she not saying hmm. anything? You know, but that's Do you think maybe that was conscious that's... effort to make her seem because you always assume that they they have a soul, but actually the whole society is asking themselves, do these people have a soul? Do you think that's part of that character decision. Yeah, definitely. She's supposedly soulless, potentially. Yeah. Like, uh, as, as a person who, um, who advocates, uh, you know, for, for like, uh, abuse survivors and like, um, people who, uh, you know, like deal a lot with like repress, uh, repressed memory and all this stuff. It's, it's kind of like, if you were to, if you were told that you have no soul repeatedly, and you lived in an environment where, like, uh, you're only seen as, like, an organ, uh, capsule, an, uh, <laughs> uh, like a crop, really, um, mm-hmm. you'll actually start to believe it and actually not, and, like, behave like a soulless person. Like, you know, like, right. you behave the way you are conditioned. And it's very, uh, present in the way she is as a person. So, like, you know, it it could be a complaint of mine, but at the same time, like, that is the damn point, Harper, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, no, I, I was trying to think of a good parallel, but... Um, no, I think, I think that's that's fair, isn't it? Because it's not, like you say, it's not really a criticism of the film, just more something you screaming out for a character to do that actually is in character for them to not do. And I think it makes perfect sense. Um, for me, I, I think it comes down to whether Hugh... Uh, often, I've, I suppose, accused might be the word, accused Hugh of wanting more formulaic um, films. And I think... I th- honestly think... And I might have as well. I think Hugh would prefer a film where it is active nihilists who are trying to overthrow a system and, and not live up to that self-fulfilling prophecy or even mm-hmm. that, you know, prophecy. Um but I think he'll appreciate this film as not being that on purpose. You know, the same way we talked about a lot about Big Lebowski. We all, we always talk about if a protagonist is is too passive, then it's bad, unless that's the point. Unless the filmmaker knows that they're supposed to be active and they're definitely not as part of their whole uh, outlook. Yeah. And I think as long as Hugh went into this film and throughout the film understood that they're supposed to be uh, passive because of their education and indoctrination, and maybe that's a whole maybe that's a whole metaphor, then I think he'll like it. But we're going to find out. So we're going to go for a little break. And after the break, we're going to get Hugh's views. So join us after the break. Hello and welcome back to Please Watch This. We are now ready for Hugh's views. Hugh, what did you think of this delightful film? 
Um, so this film is basically um, Elizabeth Swan, Spider Man, and the girl from Drive um, are clones, and <laughs> you know how I learned to deal to, how I learned to deal with being a clone. You know, <laughs> the remains of Black Mirror or Black Black Mirror Day, <laughs> something like that. You know, it's kind it's of, this was sort of it was sort of Black Mirror before it was Black Mirror, wasn't there? I think this came out before it, didn't it? Just about. I think 2011 was yeah. the first Black Mirror, yeah. But uh, yeah. Donald Gleeson was in it in 2012, yeah. 13, I would have said. Yeah. So they're, they're very they're, they're about the same period. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, actually, because if Sam had seen this film, I think it would have been a film Sam would have eventually recommended because it's like an Alex Garland film, mm-hmm. basically. Um and obviously you can like I'm not I'd love to know the production how they produced this was it obviously well no I know how they produced it because the novel came out before the before Alex Garland wrote the screenplay I guess didn't, didn't well yeah they? that makes so, sense although apparently yeah. Alex Garland called up to get the rights to the novel after before he'd even finished reading it right okay that's <laughs> impressive isn't it yeah yeah um, so yeah it's it's a weird mishmash of like sort of that sort of stuffy like middle class British repression and you know can't discuss our feelings correctly and <laughs> after you know people having to you know show their affection through small little acts rather than sort of through you know big gestures and it's got that sort of um, remains of the day feel about it but it's also a crazy sci-fi film about these people who have been cloned and are going to be harvested for their organs before they turn 30 essentially. Yeah, because there's no like space lasers in it or anything. I don't think of it as sci-fi, but it is, isn't it? Or at least it's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, I mean, it is, yeah. it is sci-fi. Yeah, and I think, I think for me, it comes down to, because there's almost like, there's almost like two films going on. There's this, like you said, there's this love tryst triangle thing going on between um, Kathy, Ruth and Tommy. And obviously you think like the beginning of the film's all about almost completely about Kathy and Tommy and then Ruth's just kind of there but then she kind of gets the relationship and you're not really expecting that and um, that's that's in- subversive in its own way that like this film kind of works towards and yeah I think some hit the nail on the head do you buy the premise that they are passive nihilists and that they are indoctrinated into this society and that they they just accept more or less without any sort of repercussion that they're going to be harvested for their organs. Like, none of the children freak out when the um, teacher, Sally Hawkins's teacher, tells them what their purpose is. They all just carry on with their life. They're just like, okay, that's... It's like, it kind of almost reminded me of like a, like a film about slaves, essentially. Mm-hmm. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you had these slaves, you know, people who were enslaved for, you know, almost their entire lives or their entire lives. And, you know, at some point, perhaps they had to accept their enslavement. And, you know, you know the awful institution of slavery wasn't made up in the 15th century by the British and French and Spanish. It was, you know, it goes back to antiquity and probably even before that, you know, people have had slaves probably before... Maybe even before pre in prehistory and things like that. Potentially, I don't know what the evidence for that is personally, but it wouldn't surprise me. So, so yeah, it's kind of you're almost kind of looking at sort of. I've never read it, but like Uncle Tom's Cabin, something like that, maybe mm. where there's not the brutality that sort of you have with slavery, but there's there's the the mindset, you know, like it's like 
sort of a, a 1984 style communist, you know, a, a question I was going to both ask you was, so did the Nazis win the war? Because <laughs> this feels very yeah. like a, a Nazi thing to do. It's like, oh, these people aren't human, so it's fine. Or they're not, they're based off other humans, so it's fine to do this. And the whole world just seems to be like, oh, that it's a necessary evil. And another thing I was thinking was, like... I would understand if, say, they lived these lives of luxury. Do you know what I mean? But you see that Carrie Mulligan's character just lives in a in a sort of brutalist urban flat and she drives <laughs> a clapped-out old car. You know, even in 1995, when I think all that completion stuff is set in the third act, sort of, you know, the, you think she'd have, like, a nice car. You know, you think they'd be given all these nice things before before they used to be harvested. I suppose really yeah. by that stage the, the self-fulfilling prophecy is taking hold, hasn't it? And that yeah. what, what a psychologist might call learn helplessness, you know, as setting. Yeah. Yeah, so I was kind of yeah. surprised that these people weren't treated sort of better in society, I suppose. And yeah, there is like you know, there is like a resistance to it. They you know like, oh if we're in a couple and we get a deferment and it lasts a few more days, you know, a few get a couple more extra years to be happy and all this and then they go to the the um that woman's house and find out that the the head teacher lives there and she's like Oh, we just wanted to check if you had a soul. <laughs> so this was something I was confused about. Maybe you can both help. Or we mm-hmm. can come to a conclusion. So the school that they go to, because they, they, she says, doesn't she, at the end, it was like, oh, the art was there to see if you had a soul. And so was that school there to, as like they wanted to stop the harvesting or was it there to perpetuate it I'm not, or to, to validate it? I'm not entirely sure. All right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because the I think school's from, obviously from, encouraging it, isn't it? From my perspective... Um, but they hide it from the and obviously we, we can, I mean, we can do this now, actually, like, get into what yeah. actually the film is a metaphor for as well. So for me as a teacher, I there's so much of the whole educational system that I disagree with, but I kind of work in the system because I can do my bit against that. You know, it's all the exam focus. And, Viva la revolution. <laughs> right from the inside. Yes. Bring it down from the inside. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, I, I yes, would... comrade. If, if tomorrow, <laughs> if tomorrow I became the, the head guy and I had total control of the education system, I would scrap exams and I wouldn't make mm. anything exam focused and all that sort of stuff. But I work in a very exam focused area so that I can sort of do my bit. And I think... Make it all maybe, course work. Make it all course work that the teachers can cheat on. Um, that maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's kind of a mixture, isn't it? I suppose it's like a farmer having properly free range chickens, you know. Yeah, hens. yeah, that's what I started. You know, well, are you a hen like farmer free... or not? <laughs> but I see, yeah, I yeah. totally see a point. Free range organ people. Yeah, aren't they? maybe they'd be the and best think... of that that they can. I mean, Harper, how did you see that? Yeah. Um, I it it definitely like took me took me aback for a second because like you know when it was revealed at the end there's like oh we wanted to see if you had a soul at all um uh it's it's such a like subtle dig at that because like right before tommy and um and kathy enter uh her name what's her name madame's house uh to get the deferral they literally are looking uh at like a picture uh, of of Hailsham, the the school that they all mm. that they went to, uh, Tommy just offhandedly mentions it's like it's so quick. Uh, uh, offhandedly mentions, so like man, like Hailsham ended, huh? That's kind of weird. Like, what do you think the schools are like now? I 
I hear they're like um I hear they're like battery farms. Yeah. Um yeah. I'm sure that's an exaggeration, you know? That was a quick thing and like that but also like if we all know Tommy as a person, he's clueless, you know? He is uh <laughs> he's uh blatantly um uh, ruled by like his illusions, he literally. He's a very innocent sort of character, isn't he? Yeah, even his ma- down to his mannerisms, he's a child. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's so awkward, isn't he? Like, I know he's meant to be playing like an eighteen, nineteen-year-old in like the second act of the film when um, they're at the cottages or the cottage, mm-hmm. or whatever it's called. Um, but he's almost mumbling at times. It's really annoying, actually. I yes. found that a bit frustrating. <laughs> but but it was part of the character. I got it. But yeah, so did you guys think, so then, so was Hailsham for or against what they're doing? Because like, I'm I got, I got the sense they were, they were trying to do an ethical version of it. Maybe they thought, yeah, you yes. know, if we're going to do this, let's do this right. If, if yeah, the alternative and, is battery farms, which why wouldn't you? If you don't think they've got souls... What yeah. you know, you know, like you made the slave analogy. Uh, you know, then yeah. slave ships kind of let's. Ha- how many people can we fit into one ship? Yeah, regardless of sanitation and, you and know, all that. yeah, and a lot of effort was made, wasn't it, by people who were pro-slavery to to dehumanize slaves, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, as it as it would be in this, humanity. as it would be in this, really. Um, yeah, you know, you as Miss Emily said, you know, you kind of people don't want to go back to that. They'd rather dehumanize you. And I'll get to Roger Ebert's take on it, but he's saying, you know, I've, I've, signed, yeah. up, I've signed up in my will to give away my organs. He says, uh, so if you get my heart, don't worry about me and my life. This, this is your heart to live it. You know, uh, don't try and yeah. humanize the heart. It is yours. I mean, so. I could. The, the, the only, there's the, the only like couple of plot holes I could pick with it. If I'm being like super sort of myopic now, and this isn't maybe isn't entirely representative of what I feel, but was kind of how I was watching some of it was that. Wouldn't there be, first of all, wouldn't there be a lot of these people around? Like, you get the sense that there's, you know, it's a small cohort class or school, you know, maybe six, five hundred kids in that school, tops. But if you're harvesting organs from somebody, like, you know, is it like, they'd be like, it'd be like ratio of about one, you know, for every normal person, it'd be like one clone. So there'd be millions of them. Mm-hmm. Well, the I mean, alone, maybe by the by it. by the time by the end by your your life expectancy, you might only need one organ replaced, really. So, oh yeah, but that's the point. So yeah, it'd be like a four to one ratio, wouldn't it? Or but we don't. We've, we've got no. We've got no. We've got no idea of the scale of it, have we? We know that it's. We know it's it a common pretty thing. endemic, though, doesn't it? Like it's so endemic mm-hmm. that it it I, there's a bit when you know. You see one of the buses drive off, and it's got like the was it national donor program or something I think it's called, mm-hmm. and you see that drive off, and it's like looking at like a van for a pharmacist or something. You know, it's, <laughs> it just seems so not out of place that this horrific, effective genocide, I suppose, yeah. is happening. Well, I suppose and, by, maybe by their third or fourth donation, yeah. by completion, they just take the rest. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. they do. Yeah, because you could, that, you could donate they? ten yeah. organs, couldn't you? So, no, yeah, I think I think that's a fair point. It's not. It's not really a plot. Even if it was twenty to one, I think yeah. if, the, if the film had said there are ten schools like this around the country, that would be a plot hole. Yeah. The, yeah, the that fact that they been... just didn't enumerate it is probably the yeah. But that's and then my other kind of thing about it was you don't really see it, but then this could be you know you can argue this point quite easily about the whole indoctrination thing is. Um, there's no other than the wristbands and obviously their schooling you don't see any real authority trying to prevent them leaving 
You know, yeah. they never go, you know, they go to the coast, you know, and he's in the ship and he's like pretending to drive the ship. And it never, like Sam said, it never occurs to any of them to like, you know, if this was me, I'd be fucking off to deepest, darkest Peru. <laughs> or, yeah, like, yeah. Den, you know, the DRC or, you know, Indochina somewhere. I'd be, you know, if, what's the line out of Pulp Fiction? If he's, um, you know, if he's in Indochina, I wouldn't... <laughs> An N word with a with a in a rice bowl popping out, putting a cat. Oh my god! Yeah. Really, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it depends how you watch it because if you watch it as a beautiful allegory, you don't. That's a that's a like a vapid question. But if you watch it, yeah. as, if if this set itself up to be like nineteen eighty four, let's say equi- equilibrium, which is basically nineteen eighty four, um, that would be the case. And I think a lot of the time when you watch a film, you watch it and you want you you want the protagonist to do what you would do in that moment yes. while you're watching it as opposed to what that protagonist would do in that moment whether they're a long term yeah. like indoctrination you know well, indoctrination or whatever you made a you know made a good point earlier about like the end of game of thrones you know season 8 there's a one of the better moments of that is when spoiler alert i'm afraid here but when jamie lannister leaves brienne yeah. and it's like yeah. you know it's like the audience is like why would you leave her and it's like no no that character is he, despite everything Cersei's done, he still loves Cersei. Yeah. Even though it's his sister and well, all so these many, horrible things. Not to make this Game of Thrones podcast, but so many yeah. of the final ends of the characters actually weren't that bad. It was just they needed two more seasons of build-up to... It wasn't <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. how about instead of another season of build-up, we just make it so that you make... Um, I've, I've forgotten everyone's name. Uh, Amelia Clark's character, Daenerys. Yeah, you just Daenerys, make her make that decision in the moment rather than like, let's build it up properly. No, let's just do it in a moment. Why, why would it be any different <laughs> to destroy yeah. all yeah, the yeah. things like we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll hint at it so subtly, <laughs> subtly nobody will ever figure it <laughs> out. It'll have no yeah. emotional <laughs> resonance with anyone. Yeah, so then that brings me to the second point of this film is if you watch this film... Um, like say if you were flicking through the TV stations and it, you came to it like halfway through, you would have no idea that this is about people who are clones that are, um, you know, are being harvested for organs. You would just think it was like some sort of 20-somethings, middle-class sort of English um, coming-of-age drama, <laughs> love triangle. Love it's triangle, so yeah. subtly done. So, um, yeah, I, I, so I really, you know, the... Um, is that as criticism or is that to its credit? Oh no, that's to its credit. Oh, yeah, it is because it grabs it, doesn't it? And it's you know you do feel like these characters are real people. They're not they're not characters on a page. You know who are saying stock lines. They're they're real life people with feelings and emotions, and you know they clearly do have a soul. I would argue. Um, so yeah, what I liked. Um, it's got good acting. You know the actors are all good in this. I think um, Kerry Mulligan's really good. I, I think uh, Andrew Garfield's good. Uh, Kira Knightley. She can be very hit and miss at times in films, but you know I think this was in her phase of yeah. I'm going to do provocative films to to yeah. shed the Pirates of the Caribbean. I think she was in Dangerous <laughs> Methods about a year after this. Time, yeah, yeah, yeah she's, um, she's great. It I is, feel like it's a very I'm sorry. I I, I, I feel like like Tommy, Ruth, and Kathy, like I've felt a lot of empathy for the three of them, mostly because like they mm. they they fit the three types of people I am into as a bisexual person. <laughs> like, it's just like yeah, like an emotionally stunted, complicated boy. Uh, an emotionally stunted <laughs> an emotionally stunted and like kind of mean, like 
brown haired woman and like another one is like a very sweet like adorable faced like uh well read woman like like th- those are like That's the great. three types of people i'm into and i'm like oh, maybe <laughs> to what extent am i just projecting myself a little too much you know <laughs> What was it you were saying, Harper? You overthink things? <laughs> um, the, the director, actually, Mark Romanek, he, he said that it was a real challenge making Kira Knightley look plain. Like, whatever they did, <laughs> they couldn't oh get her to look plain. <laughs> you know? Yeah, she is impossibly good looking, isn't she? Yeah. <laughs> I know. But she yeah. was good. I thought she was good in this because she comes across as, like you said, a bit naive, a bit of a bitch. You know, somebody who's a bit... You'd probably say she's probably a bit self-absorbed because she wanted to... She's, you know, she wanted to be loved by Tommy's character, didn't she? But wonderfully self-aware and redemptive by the end. I thought that was the interesting thing about that time jump, and I know that Hugh, you'd had a problem with the time jump there will be blood. I wonder if that's the same here, but there is a time jump and she's a different person after her surgery. It's fine because they set it up right at the beginning of the film, don't they? It's, It's actually set... When Tommy's going True. through his last, True. Um, when he's going through completion, um, yeah, it is an interesting premise. Like, let's not make any bones about it. It is, it is an interesting premise. You know, how do what would the lives of clones be like? Who are sole purpose is to be harvest organ donors? You know, what sort of yeah. lives do they have? Where? What can they do? What do they do? What? How do they deal with it? What sort of like acts of sedition? Like the the closest they can do is they think there's a loophole that they can keep them alive for a bit longer. So they they think even the system allows for them to survive longer. But they, they always want to work within the system, don't they? There's no questioning of the system. And um, yeah. Hugh, uh, I bought a book for Hugh last Chris, uh, Christmas ago and I gave it to him this Christmas. Presumably he's read it by now. It's many weeks ago, so no doubt he's read it a couple of times. 1984. Yeah, um, yeah. Let's <laughs> say I've read it by now. Yeah. <laughs> That's, well, you know, take Harper's uh, technique and just, you know, pretend you've read no, it. I'll, I will read it. I will read it. <laughs> I was thinking about reading it this week, actually. Well, this is going to be a good time. So Roger Ebert, who I'll get yeah. to later, here's just a paragraph from his review that I think is relevant to this rather than his overall review. Uh, he says that the director wisely follows a Shiguro in burying, burying, burying any meanings well within a human story. The film is about Kathy, Tommy and Ruth and their world and not some sort of parable like in 1984. Essentially it yeah. asks, how do you live with the knowledge that you are not considered a human being but simply a consumer resource? Many hourly workers at big box stores must sometimes ponder this question. <laughs> so aside from the educational metaphor just a life working in an office or a warehouse kind of metaphor fits really quite well with this yeah yeah and it brings up questions of why bother educating them at all you know yeah it's like they're only educating them to make them fit into society until they're necessarily like that you know you're thinking the state must be spending you know because they're essentially wards of the state aren't they so the state's spending educational budgets on them you know for yeah. them to not to live past the age of 28 or whatever you know um it kind of reminded me a little bit of like logan's run as well in that regard that is right. you know logan's logan's organ donor <laughs> <laughs> um, i yeah so it's an in, sorry go on oh i apologize um i no, no, fine. um i i also like wondered like why they were even educated and all that stuff in the first place too i also think um, you know, like my, my theory on that is really like, um, uh, if we were to watch this movie and Sam, Sam, sorry, Sam, with a, yeah, you're Sam. Okay. Sam, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yes. Hello. Your character in the movie now. Um, no, no. Uh, if, <laughs> oh, Tommy. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, no, if if uh if Tommy, Ruth, and Kathy, like, were living in a very 1984 world and they're just blank-faced and they're just like, yes, romantic romantic relationship i've heard about it before do you want to do that like i also feel like you know um the reason why they were educated and like able to like live a life among other human beings especially like other people who um who come from other schools like like hailsham but not really mm-hmm. where they also hear that about the furls good. and all that stuff maybe mm-hmm. it was supposed to give us the audience like a, a sense of uh, hope for them like That's a good. little tinge yeah. of hope and also like um and also, like, create a parallel between them and us in in which that, like, you know, it's arguable that their lives are not that much different from us because we all complete, you know? We, uh, and, like, you know, in late-stage capitalism, we are all used up of our resources, in their case, <laughs> vital organs, in our case, like, <laughs> our emotions, the work we put in, uh, our, our, our senses of self-worth is, like, we're told, you know, uh, when we're ever since we're kids, like you can do anything you want to, but we all know that's not true, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Unfortunately, although, I would, I would, although one thing I would say, and this is not the time for this debate, I'm not entirely comfortable with the phrase "late stage capitalism." That's I'm not fair. She was a uh, history and politics. Yeah, uh, I'm not. Major. I'm not. I'm not overly convinced. I don't fully really understand the late stage bit. Go on, Hugh. Go on, Hugh. You got. You got three. No, minutes. I'm not. I'm not. No, no, I'm not <laughs> no it's okay it. because because yeah. we it's it's a, it's a useful label and it does say a lot and it's but I, I did, there's a, just a nag at the back of my head that it's not. Do you think this is the early stages, Hugh? Is this? Uh, I don't know. Primordial don't know. capitalism. We, Before we it all know. went it's, shit. Well, it's clearly not. <laughs> It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's clearly not early capitalism, obviously. Anyway, I don't want to get into that. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> kind of I just got, you know what? Yeah. Let's, here's a little segue then. So, Hugh, yeah, I don't know if yeah. have you. What are, the, are there any other key things you didn't like about this film? Um. So yeah, I just put what I didn't like was the other than the wristbands and the there's no authoritarianism yeah. or police control yeah. of their actions and movements. Uh, I like the premise. I just don't buy that they are all happy to be harvested for their organs and don't want to escape. I'm yeah. kind of, I'm not overly convinced. But I, yeah, I suppose it's easy to argue that they're, they're in these kind of situations, there are going to be people like these three who are, you know, it's just so so many so many of the people they know around them from school did get completed and got their organs harvested. So they're just they're happy to do it. I mean, I feel like. Kira Knightley's, Kira Knightley's character Ruth in this is she's a tragic figure in the end, really, isn't she? You know, yeah, she's right. she 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 could have she spent was, that time actually falling in love with somebody she did love, yeah, uh, not out of spite and jealousy. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's, I mean, that's really. But do you think they're all? Sorry to interrupt, Sam, but do you guys do you both think that they're um, that they're what's it infertile? Do you think that they can have children? The novel says they are, but the film doesn't. Oh, does the not arrive? Oh, because yeah, that's, that's the yeah. Sorry, Harper, you knew that. that. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What? That's crazy. What? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's. Uh, I think I don't know if they actually filmed it, but it wasn't in the film. But yeah, they're, they're I think that's time. something they needed to address in the film. They ought to because just they a, do just address, a line. They just take a line. Yeah, because you know? they address enough of the sort of in-world rules and their purpose. And I think when these people can't have children, that. That might be part of their acceptance for, of who they are. They, they, it so doesn't matter if the scene really where against Kathy, it is the they're going to die is, wasted. Is cuddling the pillar um, yeah. in the novel is seen by Miss Emily 
and she misunderstands that as being a romantic thing that she wants a boyfriend like Tommy and obviously in the film it's uh, Ruth who sees her and thinks it's about Tommy and we as the, as the viewer think that but actually in the novel it's quite a lengthy part apparently I, I've read it as much as Harper has um, it's more that she finds out she can't have a baby and this is her wanting a baby you know so yeah I think to add, I think they could have added that layer of because it's not a particularly long though. film it's 143 I think with credits so mm. they could have easily added 5-10 minutes for that purpose yeah, yeah. yeah maybe budgetary constraints or you know um, here's a question does it pass the Beckdale test? <laughs> uh, Harper do you think this passes it? Must yes do. technically uh, on, only because well, like, well immediately because uh, there is a scene where Kathy speaks to a nurse and they're talking about Ruth they're not talking about a man there you go so it does. Yeah. There we go. There you Just go. checking. Ding ding ding. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yes. There are several names. Although these kind of not films, many, not many surnames in this uh, in the film. That is another. I guess yeah. the, in terms of Bechtel test, we got we don't get a full name of a, a female character, which I think is a well, massive like, problem. <laughs> I think that that's their name, isn't it? She's what, yeah. she's Kathy she's H. Kathy H. She's isn't it? Yeah, she doesn't have a surname. I think that's part of the dehumanising process, isn't it? Definitely, definitely. Yeah. But it's fascinating, and, uh, and I think uh, this takes us nicely then into, into favourite scenes. Um, Harper, what would you say is your favourite scene? Of the, um, uh, I, oh, man. The first one that comes to mind is uh, the moment uh, Tommy and Kathy go to the house to see, Ma- um, to see Madame, and... Uh, and Madame, just like you can tell through their acting, like through their facial expressions alone, that like um, Madame had like this face that she's like, I, I am very, I'm very sad because I'm I'm here to disappoint the shit out of them. Yeah, like they yeah. are. Like, it, have you ever like gone through like the hiring process of? you know like like interviewing somebody knowing that you're you're going to say no and you just have to amuse them for 10 minutes you're just like oh, you know I've been on the like, other end of that for sure <laughs> yeah, I, I recognise that face yeah because Tommy doesn't yeah. get it at all does he but Kathy does no no yeah Kathy's really upset isn't she that is a good scene yeah um, yeah what about you Sam that was my favourite scene, actually, the meeting, particularly when Miss Emily comes in. I mean, I wasn't, as much as I think this film is great because it's not Equilibrium in 1984. <laughs> I don't know why Equilibrium yeah. was my touchstone, but I yeah. love Equilibrium, by the way. Harper, have you seen Equilibrium? Right. Oh yeah, like that's the gun cut uh, thing with uh, with <laughs> yeah. with, uh, <laughs> with Batman, right? That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. just thought if you you know it's a kind of martial artsy, but but bullshit. Um, uh, oh yeah, nineteen eighty four. So deep in its bullshit too. It's nineteen eighty four yeah, yeah, yeah. with guns. Nine eighty four with guns and being done. And um, yeah. yeah, so as much as I like that this film isn't that, I do like it when some of it's spelled out for me, which is what Miss Emily's there for in that scene. And there was just something about that that interaction that I thought was really good. And it and it yeah, it's it's almost like and I know that the novel apparently revealed the clone thing much later than the film did. That would have been an interesting, slightly more blockbustery mainstream film where that was the reveal there you know I don't know how you you have to do a massive rewrite of the previous stuff but anyway that scene is great the, the facial cues that are not picked up that are picked up the difference between Kathy and Tommy I think is really wonderful uh, Hugh favourite scene yeah I mean just 
on your point there, I think it, I think it, they revealed that they were clones at like the right time because your mind is starting to think, well, are they clones? Basically, true. Um, you start that process quite early on. My favorite scene, uh, curiously, it wasn't the same scene you guys both had. Um, it was when Kira Knightley's character, um, Ruth, when she asked for forgiveness for keeping um, that's great Tommy and uh, Kathy apart because. Yeah, I think it was just that's because, like I said, there's two there's two films going on at once, and there's the whole clone organ dystopia, and then there's the the tender sort of like relationship triumvirate between the three of them. So, yeah, I, I quite liked that bit. Um, and she was, and they were all they were reluctant to give it to her. You know, they, she's like, you can't. She's, I can't remember specifically what Kerry Mulligan says, but she's like, "Oh, you can't, you can't make up for that or something." She says, "If you that's remember, right. yeah, it's, it's too late, late to do anything about yeah, it." Yeah, yeah, that's the, it. the blocking's great as well because it shows them two in a two. Yes, you know, yeah. whatever two frame. She's <laughs> and then, yeah, and she's isolated. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but and then the other, there's a couple of others. I like the one where um, it's interesting when she gets the porno mags and she's reading through them, looking for yeah. his, herself. Did you guys? No, straight away that she was looking for. I didn't realize her intentions. Original. No. I assumed it was a teenage I, thing of I some kind. kind. Of, I thought I she was jealous. Fig- I kind of figured it out when she was like flicking really fast. I was like, "Oh, well, she's not. She's not gay, so she's not looking at it because she likes women. She's looking for some. She's looking for somebody specific." Um, yeah, she but, wasn't looking yeah. close enough to analyze or titillated by it I suppose yeah and even um, Tommy says oh you're not doing it right <laughs> <laughs> and then he's oh, like oh she, yeah she's, true yeah yeah so that was that's uh, so I kind of figured that bit uh, and then there was another one that I can't remember now off the top of my head oh so it can't be that good because I don't remember it never mind never mind <laughs> that takes us nicely then into favourite lines Harper do you yeah. have a favourite line for this film um uh, I I can't I can't really like put it down by quotes, but like I just really uh, enjoyed that scene in particular where Tommy and and Kathy finally have their first like real moment alone as a uh, as young adults, and they walk into that really beautiful park. Like it's they they go take a walk that one day, and they talk about like oh well, uh maybe this deferral thing is really true, you know? Oh and, yeah yeah. And Kathy's like, what makes you say that? You know, like, why don't you do that with with Ruth? Like, why aren't you talking to Ruth about that? And he's just like, well, I don't think it's not going to work out. Like, like if he's really caught up in the idea of being, uh, you know, being deferred, he's clearly wanting to do that with uh, with Kathy. That's the first time we really get like an idea of like Tommy as a person, because like not only. Is he finally revealing to us, the audience, that like he's in love with her? He's also. Um, it's funny because he never also, says. He never says, "I don't love Ruth," does he? But that's kind of what you want. Again, you're wanting, you're projecting from yourself, yeah. aren't you, to what you want him to say? You're like, <laughs> yeah. Well, we can tell that you don't love her, you know. Yeah. And then it shows them awkwardly having sex later and stuff as well, doesn't it? Yeah, and then like he's also just like you can tell that he's. Um, dreadfully naive because like um, the entire time Kathy's like well I don't think any of what you're saying is true where are you getting this assumption from and he's just like well it has to be true why else you know because like mm. um, he he pulled he pulled me in from, from there he's just like well he could be right you know but the entire time we were just set up for disappointment you know he's uh mm. he was so caught up in his uh, 
in his uh, delusion that he just like made the made up this whole entire thing and Kathy the entire time like without blinking was just like <laughs> you know okay kid through the shoulders <laughs> whatever mate I mean did, did neither of you two believe that the deferral thing was going to happen no. at any point I I actually had hope because mm. like he because like because like I really wanted to believe in Tommy he's like he has a lot of hope in things and like I really like holding on to hope obviously but yeah. like it's oh also... here's a question oh, up? sorry go on no no I was just I was interrupting sorry I thought you were finished um I I just I just really like Tommy as a character because like yeah he is like he has a lot of like anger issues and all this stuff but like um I personally really liked um Andrew Garfield's acting in here because like if you look at Tommy's mannerisms he still behaves like a child like he runs like a child yeah. when he was like running towards <laughs> uh, the boat like who runs like like you know like swinging his arms in a certain way <laughs> he he sits a lot on the floor in a fetal position you know like yeah yeah and like it's you know when, when we finally get to the end where he's just like told the news repeatedly not just by miss emily but also by kathy you know his lover and he's just like oh my god and he doesn't say anything and he finally reverts back to being a child and screams you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. He's, he's infantilized isn't he yeah um my favorite line i think would be during the meeting with miss emily towards the end uh, where she says we didn't have the gallery in order to look into your souls we had the gallery in order to see if you had souls at all uh and i, I that, that was the same for me so yeah, well. yeah just really nice down, line, yeah. wasn't it well it was just kind of the crux of exactly what they were doing wasn't it yeah they were like what what are they actually what is their what was the purpose of the artwork yeah. it is one of the most important lines narratively yeah. and, and whatever else um, favourite shots then relatively new feature um, Harper did you have oh sorry Hugh uh, you did you give, did you give us your favourite line sorry uh, Harper did you give us uh, sorry could you give us your favourite shot of the film it is, it is a beautiful shot you mentioned about your name and how it could any any shot could be a, a poster I do feel the same about this film in many ways oh I do um, I have so many like <laughs> different uh, entries for that question because like the first one I was <laughs> able to think of was um uh when they are sitting when the three of them uh Tommy Kathy and Ruth are sitting on the beach and like you see the wind and like those uh those uh leaves of those plants are just like blowing near their f- near their arms and mm. they they're sitting on the sand just like talking um it's because, like, not only is it, like, very, like, aesthetically beautiful to me, it's also, like, uh, if you were to look at their mannerisms, you can tell that there's a lot of distance between everyone. Like, uh, Ruth is sitting sort of away on the left, fa- uh, on the far left end um, between, you know, like, with the three of them. And uh, Kathy is sitting in the middle because she is always caught in the middle of the both of them. And Tommy is, like, sort of clinging onto uh Kathy like a child you know like you can you can get a good you can get a good taste of what the characters are like to each other in that one frame um yes i agree i also and also this film even if it didn't contain it you would think this is exactly the sort of film which would have a windy beach shot uh, kind of like a either you know like low light maybe later in the evening kind of kind of thing it's got that aesthetic yeah. to it you know it's very pretty kind of film 
it's it's very odd to me for for sure. <laughs> yeah. Did you have a look under this? I, um, I also really like that one scene where um Kathy was looking at. I might be wrong about like the context of that scene, but it's after they confirmed their no no it's sometime before they confirmed their love for each other. Uh, Kathy and Tommy, and Tommy is sitting on the floor in a fetal position, like he's like squatting, but he's 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 not entirely comfortable, and like Kathy is just like looking at his art, and like oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I know the one you're talking about yeah. Yeah, because there's a lot That's of meaningful shots. Well. You know, there's a lot of beautiful shots because of the lighting and lens and whatever. But there's a lot of meaningful shots, I suppose, like that and like them on the beach, or so much combined yeah. the two. Um, I think for me, I, I had a, quite a few. I, normally, for favorite shot, I've got one option, and for this one, I had, you know, dozens. Um, I think I really like their embrace in front of the car headlights after he's basically come to terms with the fact that. Uh, there's no deferral. Well, it's it's callback essentially, isn't it? Yeah, mm. yeah, and he's he's little like. Scream into the abyss, abyss kind of thing, and uh, into the abyss, yeah. into the abyss, <laughs> into the abyss. Don't stare into the abyss too long, because the abyss might stare into you. So. <laughs> How about you, Hugh? Um, yeah, yeah. There was a few can. There is a lot of can. I mean, you've both picked two that I know, or yeah, two that and well, three altogether that I never even thought of myself. Oh, yeah, wow. the cinematography in this film is good. Um, my favorite one, and I could have picked a couple. At least maybe three or four, uh, but I went with when they're in the co- in the cottage. There's just a brief shot of a bird on a kettle. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of metaphorical sort of images and stills or frames in this film, and for some reason that just seemed very metaphorical of their whole situation. You know, these people perched on this like this dangerous situation essentially you know that they, mm-hmm. they could choose to leave but they don't if that makes sense oh yeah and the yeah. bird doesn't like entirely belong in there but it's yeah, also like yeah, really yeah. really pretty to look at you know so you're just like oh maybe yeah. the bird so is not in danger yeah so you've got you're seeing more depth than I even saw myself in that <laughs> image um, and you, I mean you get when you say like the bird's pretty like when they're saying oh all the people who uh, they use for the cloning are like junkies and hobos and things like that <laughs> they it's do like, turn out alright yeah. don't they their junkies have a great gene pool <laughs> this, this alternate world don't they <laughs> you know why are you on the, why are you a hobo well I just couldn't cut it on the catwalks of Paris <laughs> my cheekbones Christ. are too high I'm too beautiful they couldn't make me look plain for their autumn pageant <laughs> <laughs> I was never, I was never going to be in Sears. <laughs> it was always Vogue and on nothing, unfortunately, and the work dried up. <laughs> yeah. Well, with you know, that, Andrew Garfield gonna, with his Hollywood hair. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna take a little break, and we yeah. are gonna comb our Hollywood hair, and then when we come back, we'll get ratings, critics, quiz, and what's going to happen yeah. next week. All right. So join okay. us after the break. All righty. Hello and welcome back to the final section of Please Watch This. We are ready for some critics. Uh, Hugh, if you had to put a number on it, uh, what do you think Metacritic would give this film as a percentage? Uh, as a percentage, 78? 78. 78. Harper, any, uh, any uh, guesses? I've... Metacritic percentage on this film? Me- I think that's more indicative of what I think, isn't it, <laughs> than what Metacritic, Metacritic is. Metacritic is full of, uh, like... 
like pretentious film bros. So I'd say <laughs> I'd say eighty six. You know, it's actually sixty nine, dude. What? Uh, so oh, nice. Wow! Wow! Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so what I've I've decided to do is uh, get a bit of a a mixed reaction to it. We've got Roger Ebert. Uh, Hugh, you know Roger by this point. Big Roger Uh, Roger. I'll just say Roger Ebert. Now, Roger Ebert's going to give us his review. Hugh, what would you say Rog would give this out of four? Three and a half. Interesting. You give it four. You give it the Ooh, full four. I've got two paragraphs. Four star fulsome. Go on then. So get yourself comfortable. He says, this is such a meditative, delicate film. I heard some snuffling around me in the darkness. Those poor, These poor people are innocent. They have the same hopes everyone has. It's so touching that they gladly give their organs to humankind. Greater love hath no man than he who gives his kidney, especially his second one. This is a good movie from a masterful novel. The remains of the day... Oh, hang on a sec. Oh yeah, The Remains of the Day, also inspired by Ishiguro novel, was similar. What is happening is implied, not spelled out. We're required to observe. Even the events themselves are amenable to different interpretations. The characters may not know what they're revealing about themselves. They certainly don't know the whole truth of their existence. We do because we are free humans. It is sometimes not easy to extend such stature to those we value because they support our comfort. And he's, he's poetry, Rodri, but isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. he, he he loved it. He, he loved all these mechanisms we talk about. The yeah. fact that they didn't know what was happening to them. The fact that they went the passive rather than active. In that, do you think they could have been genetically engineered to be passive or docile? I feel like they definitely weren't, but that would you have been an interesting. That, t- argument, that guess, again yeah. might have been more like a cool film, and then somebody's broken their programming, and you know, yeah, yeah. they're like oh, domesticated. Wow. If that makes sense, I think it's more like because it's allegorical, they don't have to build in those mechanisms. If that yeah, makes sense, true. yeah. I true, did get a true. negative review from from Scott Balls, USA Today. Uh, Metacritic, you know, they kind of just aggregate everything. So they said he got he gave fifty percent. I don't know what his rating system was, but fifty percent. Well, it's if a chilling... two hundred. It'd be a bad review, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it'd be hundred. Yeah, but that's my point, Sam. Is if it was at two hundred percent, then you wouldn't necessarily understand his uh, rating system. But no, you're because right. it's a fifty percent, you you pretty much know what you think. I've got a sense. Two out of four stars. Mm. Yeah. Sixteen out of thirty-two. It's you, a you chilling premise. On says Scott Bowles of the USA Today it's a chilling premise even if it does borrow from the 1976 sci-fi cult classic Logan's Run second mentioned mm. today in which humans are exterminated at 30 to keep the population under control in that film at least Michael York and company ran for their lives the movie darts <laughs> from those scenes as soon as they get there leaving us with husks of- oh he's talking about the um Never let me go now. Uh, the movie darts from those scenes as soon as they get there, leaving us with husks of people ruminating on love, death, and their role in the universe. Fine questions all, but ones that need to be answered at least partly on screen. More puzzling is why the director offers no real villain. We know that the government has become a killing machine, but like Hal in 2001, we need a face at which to hiss, even if it's Big Brothers. Which I Hello, think is a, lot of, is a lot of words to use to say that he didn't get the film. Yeah. yeah. Well, I said, I said, like I said at the beginning, I think it rests on the, the the premise. Do you buy into it? If you do, then you're going to enjoy the film. If you don't, yeah. then you're going to feel like uh, Mr. Bolzer. Yeah. Scott Bolzer. He yeah. he he was. He thought he was going into like a let's like a 
the film that wasn't a beautiful metaphor, you know. Did either of you watch the trailer for this film? Because I, I did, did, and it it literally just shows you the entire fucking movie. Are you joking? Yeah, no. Oh, I'm not. Does, it, does it give? Does it tell you that they're clones in the? Yeah. Or like they're used for harvesting. They, they, oh, they oh, get, that is so they, shit. You don't they do get that Miss Lucy's. That is so shit. What's the point idea. of watching the first fifteen minutes? Yeah. If, if gonna do they that? literally get Miss Lucy's quote being like, "Hey, children, this is what's going to happen to you." Uh, oh, blah blah blah. God, down, fuck that. Uh, it implies that there's a love triangle between uh, Tommy, Kathy, and Ruth. And then it even like goes down to the moment they actually like put in the quote of uh, Miss Emily saying like, "Oh, it was to see if he had souls at all." It, it literally is all revealed in the trailer. I can't. I mean, I can believe yeah. it. I can't. Oh my fucking god! I'm so glad. That's why it, I never if you're gonna make a trailer for this film, you make it like like you said. You make it a rom trailer, don't you? You make it a beautiful quality. rom, which has yeah. like an unease to it that you yeah, think, oh, yeah. maybe there's more to this. You could have like the scene in the cafe where. Donald Gleeson and um, that other what's that actress called? Oh, I can't remember her name. You know, where they're talking and they're getting upset or agitated. You could have all that stuff, but yeah, yeah, where you go, the... oh, what are they, what are they agitated about? Why are they yeah. why are they so angsty? Talk about putting the cart before the horse, eh? Yeah. Because that makes it seem like maybe that's what Scott Bowles was going from. Maybe he had that trailer and he went, okay, this is going to be the new Equilibrium. Oh yeah, if you can imagine yeah. such a thing. <laughs> what was he expecting at the end though? Like Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> like the three of them to fight like a there's no CGI battle in this at all <laughs> yeah. where are the death lasers yeah I think of this film more of Pride and Prejudice and cloning yeah, yeah. nobody's ducked under a bullet shot yet and got into like yeah. Yeah. bullet speed yeah. what do they call it yeah. bullet time bullet time oh I hate that so much um, let's get into ratings then Harper how many of Kira Knightley's kidneys would you give this film <laughs> out of 10 out of 10 9.5 Honestly, nine point five, yeah. very strong, Tied. beautiful, very strong. almost complete masterpiece. Fantastic! Yes. That's that's the quote for the poster. Ooh. I mean, that's surprising given that you didn't actually recommend this film. You just made yourself watch it yeah. <laughs> by <laughs> suggesting it. Yeah. So that is really good. Yeah, that could not yeah. have gone better. For me, I think a strong eight. I think at least an eight. Hugh, how many of Kira Knightley's kidneys out of ten? She's got ten. <laughs> they, they're super brutal. Yeah. You, do you think they would, wouldn't they? They should. Um, <laughs> maybe a seven. A seven? Yeah. Not not quite an eight. So I, famously, Harper, I don't do fractions. So or decimals. If I, did to, if I was to do fractions or decimals, I probably wouldn't mm. decimalise this, but I'll have to go with a seven. Just because <laughs> I don't 100% buy into the premise like the previous reviewer. I, I still would like to see a like they do like you said they do try to rail against the system but in within the confines of it don't they and yeah yeah but that's me what I wanted from the film rather than what the film is I yeah and I think there's a really cool action film to be made out of this isn't there akin to say equilibrium but I would <laughs> yeah I mean like <laughs> or Metal Gear you know Metal Gear would be a very different game if uh, Snake was developed for <laughs> organ harvesting. Felix from yeah. Merrill, yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah. I can't get into Merrill. I've got to go. Why? Because I'm getting my organs harvested. <laughs> oh, okay. That's weird. Um, but yeah, like I was... Um, with this film, the the author of the novel and the, the writer, I, I could watch... Um, more films made by these yeah. two. Yeah, yeah. Again, going into that mindset of this so is good. more allegorical, beautiful rather than what would you do in this situation? Isn't it awesome? <laughs> you yeah. know, 
Yeah. It's yeah. definitely a fucking heat. <laughs> Micronesia, that's where I'd piss off to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But again, it's not it's not really a how to avoid getting your organs harvested. Sort of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My life is an organ donor. <laughs> okay, uh, let's go for a quiz. Now, normally with a quiz, when we have a guest, it's because the guest is like our expert on the film. And oh, therefore, right. So is it fastest Hugh, finger first? Yeah, well, normally Hugh goes okay. first, and then if they don't know it, they go the second. So this time it's going to be... Uh, yeah, if the first person to say their name gets to answer the question, okay? There's five questions. Wait, like my name or the answer. Or... Yes, say your name. Yeah. That's your buzzer. We don't have any buzzers. It's low rent, yeah. low, low production value. Yeah. So Harper, if you think you know the answer to this one before Hugh, just say Harper, and then I'll oh, go to you, yeah. and you'll tell us the answer. Good, there's no prizes. Um, so question one. In what year was the scientific breakthrough? Dempsey Kingston. It's nineteen fifty-three. I applaud the confidence, less so the you know veracity of the answer. Harper, what do you think is the answer to this? In what year was the scientific breakthrough on which the film was predicated? That's uh, five points from Kingston. Yeah, nineteen forty-four. No. Uh, he was quite close. 1952. Damn. Oh, damn. I was going to say 52 and then I changed to 52. Yeah. Last second. <laughs> Question two. What was the life expectancy in 1967? Dempsey. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a confident person. Sorry. <laughs> it's a hundred. <laughs> it, pa- it passed a hundred years. Very good. Yeah. Uh, question three. There's I'll two parts. Two parts. <laughs> how old is Kathy when we meet her and for how long has she been a carer? Uh, Hugh. Come on, Hugh. Uh, she's 28 when we meet and she's been doing it for nine years. Good knowledge. God Good damn it. Very good. Wow. Question four. <laughs> what is the name of the school that they attend? Harper. Hailsham. Go on, Harper. <laughs> Hailsham. Fantastic. There we go. Very good. Question five. Why does Kathy look at porn? Dempsey. Uh, uh, Harper. Uh, <laughs> I'll have to go with I'll have to go with Hugh on that one slightly faster, mm-hmm. but to be fair, he is only about twenty miles away. Harper's thousands of miles away, so it could have been a time yeah, delay. Could have been <laughs> time Zoom delay. Got um, Hugh, what do you think? So to finish it off, uh, she's looking for her uh, original. Yeah, basically. which I thought was a really interesting little like extra side quest of the film. Actually, yeah, they wanted to the find yeah. wanted to find yeah. their genetic origin. Like it. It's like in. Um, yeah. How about your mother when they find doppelgangers of the whole group? Yeah, you know that was one of my favorite side stories of that abysmal um, <laughs> sitcom. Honestly, yeah, yeah, it's really fun, really fun, like a lot an ongoing thing. Uh, that is the quiz. I think Hugh wins, but who cares? There's no prizes. Um, now, God damn it! Oh damn! It. <laughs> I should have mentioned beforehand. There's no We're prizes. All winners. Oh, I did. Uh, we are in many ways uh, as winning as uh, Charlie Sheen. Now, Harper, we. Fully appreciate your um, your being here with us on the episode. We hope you'll come back in the future. How have you felt your time was uh, in the Please Watch This bosom? Honestly, this was a huge oh, honor. I really love uh, uh, like good. It should be. yeah. I, I I really I really enjoyed uh, both of your input for me. this um for this movie. I am really glad that uh, you know we are able to have like this kind of um. Uh, rapport with each other where it's just like you know we can still like talk about our uh questionably pretentious like views of the of like these movies but still like understand like hey yeah, yeah like well i hate this movie because like thanos wasn't at the end of it you play like you know <laughs> like yeah like uh like, like he was a uh, uh hugh in particular your um uh 
your criticism about this movie uh is really interesting mm. because I like uh you it's it sounds like if I had to make an assumption you, it sounds like you didn't like this movie as much as I did because like it uh because um the characters be behaved in a way that you wasn't that you weren't expecting and that's like that's like fine you know I like do you know what I like I like the characters I genuinely do like the characters and I'm totally on board with all the choices they make I'm just a guy who when it comes to certain premises they have to be watertight and they have to make me believe that in the world that they inhabit and because this world is so close to the normal world except with this one little thing it's it's easier for my brain to not suspend its disbelief. Well, she, she wanted Jason Statham to play the grown-up Tommy, I think, because the issue. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, why is, the, why is The Rock not in this? <laughs> and Kevin Hart. He could have played grown-up yeah. Kieran Knightley. Yeah. I, I just think, like, uh, the, the criticism is, like, really interesting from you both, because, like, I, um, you know, uh, I, I, I didn't see it that way only because... Like, I try to take in, like, works of, like, you know, all types of, like, media as they are, as they are presented to me. So, like, whenever I see, let's say, like, analysis videos on, like, fight scenes, uh, like, there's this one series I really like watching. It's, like, this guy who's a knife expert. He's a knife instructor, and, and he analyzes John Wick fights, and he's just like, well... You know, like, this is a cool scene, but at the same time, like, you know, Keanu Reeves could have, like, sliced the wrist here. He could have done that there and, like, <laughs> done this little parry. Oh, yeah, that technique isn't entirely right, blah, blah, blah. And, like, yeah, we can do that. Uh, we can, like, nitpick um, nitpick all these things. I'm not saying you're nitpicking, Hugh, but it's, like, you know, in terms of this nitpicking. guy. <laughs> I'm famously nitpicking. <laughs> in terms of this guy being, uh, this knife instructor being, like, a nitpicking person, um, you know, like, the the point of like uh some art pieces is that like they are what they present themselves to be and like you know in a arguably in any real life fight you wouldn't think about like wrist locks or anything you'd just be like i i have to live i have to live i have to live you know you wouldn't sit there and like analyze the person's like, 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 like you know that's the end of monologue yeah. Yeah. don't die don't die yeah don't die don't die oh my god <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. prevent dying yeah. fair, enough. So, fair enough so like you know we can yeah. like yeah, analyze that's this but yeah yeah no, I no, think I you're absolutely right yeah we have to appreciate the film point. when it's so allegorical yeah. beautiful it's own merits as they say right yeah. that's yeah. the word I was looking for yeah. yeah now Hugh the big question is what big film question. are we going to judge on its own merits next week uh, so next week we're going to have a bit of fun with a bit of comedy uh, a film I thought Sam had seen but has never seen we're going to watch I think it's the 99 or 2000 this film came out in um, Galaxy Quest with Tim Allen Sigourney Weaver and Alan Rickman and then Sam Rockwell's in it as well Interesting. Uh, I think so yeah I think it is memory says yeah right. so yeah. I haven't seen it I yeah. know that Sigourney Weaver looks fantastic in it, if Reddit is to be believed. Um, I, look, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I expect to like it more than I like Spaceballs. Yeah, potentially. What a cast. In that same sort of genre. Yeah, have yeah. you seen it, Harper? Um, you, have you seen... I've seen it when I was like 12, so that means I haven't seen it, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's okay. That's the problem with this podcast, actually. The rule is always that one of us has to never seen it, and sometimes there's films that technically one of us has seen but yeah when we were 12 or we yeah. barely remember it yeah. Yeah. so 
I, I am genuinely looking forward to it with some trepidation because potentially the same sort of thing, but I don't think it's going to be the same as Spaceballs at all. Yeah. I do think I'm going to like it. But I, I don't think else really other than it's kind of like camp spoof. Yeah, uh, of, yeah it's of a pastiche of Star, yeah. Star Trek, essentially, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So yeah. I'm, 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 I'm I remember it being a lot of fun. Um, I do have a question for you both, though. Can we can, can okay. the three of us do an episode where we just watch the Last Jedi and scream at each other? Because, <laughs> because... <laughs> technically, we can't. I haven't. I mean, I've never Sam seen, hasn't it, seen so it. Technically, oh, we can I like definitely it. See, I like oh it. my god! All right. I think it's <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't get the hit. What's the order of it? What's the what's the what's the prequel? What's the sequels or whatever they call uh, it? It goes. Um, it's episode eight. It, yeah, that's eight. So what's seven? Uh, um, Force the, Awakens. Uh, yeah, the Force, Force Awakens, Awakens. Then the Last Jedi, and then uh, Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we literally our first ever episode. Film, our first ever episode was Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, a year later, we did uh, Return of the Jedi. We did Rogue One. Yeah. Uh, so we're not going to do the prequels. Let's face no. it. We don't want to waste yeah, no. the time on the prequels. So. <laughs> do I? So I, do I need to see the prequels before I see the sequels? No. Kinda, yeah. Oh, for fuck's sake! Do, do you think I've got enough knowledge just from memes and yes. you know well, family life? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I suppose you could watch. You've seen, yeah. You've seen an. You've seen Return of the Jedi, so I think you could watch the sequel films without good, seeing good. the prequel ones. So yeah, I think definitely. It's but some I wouldn't point. advocate it as a start. <laughs> but yeah. Well, maybe we <laughs> could have you on for the rate. Too, Red, yes, 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 yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fantastic. <laughs> right, Sam, have you anything else you want to yeah, add? Yeah, one final question for you, Hugh. Yeah. Uh, if they want to get in touch with... Oh, you know what, before we get to our socials, oh, uh, Harper, yeah. Harper, uh, you're here for the fun of it uh, and to make some online friends, but we also hear that you have maybe something YouTuber you'd uh, quite like to tell a listener about? Oh, I um I haven't done anything yet because life is difficult, but I am in the middle of like creating like um like a YouTube channel called Harper Overthinks and I um I overanalyze. Oh. Thank you. I overanalyze um uh movies. I get all pretentious about them and I'm just like uh, I I uh look into uh, fight scenes and I look into like how um, like shots can like enhance or ruin a movie Sp- like specifically I think the first episode I really want to do is where I just like overanalyze the shit out of um, Dutch angles and how they're used in like movies <laughs> Sam doesn't like Dutch I angles I hate <laughs> Dutch <laughs> angles so much they are yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm all, I'm all over that. I mean, you know, do let us know when that all launches. We'll 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 plaster Plug it all over our social media, yeah, and you know, YouTube's algorithm will probably pop it up for me anyway because I watched a lot of that sort of <laughs> stuff anyway. So I'm yeah. bound to come across it anyway yeah. in, the, in the future. So yeah, Harper, we really appreciate you being here. Hugh, if they want to get in touch with us and tell us how great Harper's been, what their thoughts are on Galaxy Quest or Never Let Me Go, how could they do that? Uh, so what they need to do is they need to get cloned, and then they need to get indoctrinated into believing that being a clone is uh, and having their organs harvested is good for them and and the email is an need. essential yeah daily yeah, yeah. practice yep yep and then they need to use like maybe the institution that they're in this email account <laughs> i mean if you guys can think of another way i'm all ears I mean, no. Other than all they need is an email address to use. From oh right. Well, if they, well, our email address is uh, please watch this dot pod at gmail dot com. Sam, I have thought of a way. Now you, now you oh, mentioned have it. they've you? got an okay. internet connection of their own without the cloning of the oh, yeah, 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 indoctrination. Yeah. Yeah. If they've got, let's say, 
at least 56k dial-up modem, <laughs> I reckon they could get on the social media, on Twitter, reckon, Facebook, and Instagram. I reckon you're what right. Do you think? Where could yeah. they get us? What would, what would they need to at us at? You know, make sure no one's on the phone line, no one's using the phone line. Get on the Come internet. On, this episode's long enough. Go get to on with it. HTTPS. <laughs> no, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, we're at Please Watch Pod. Wait, wait, well. I was just writing down that address. <laughs> <laughs> so there That's we have it. laughing That's... over all of that. It's <laughs> just going to sound terrible. At Please Watch Pod. I'll put it on the uh, yeah. stuff. All right, yeah. good. Well, Harper, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for being Thank on the show. You. Thank you so yeah, much. for coming on. Right. It's Thank you so pleasure. much for having me on this show. This this has been a whole lot of fun. I hope you fellas... Um, you know, like have me on for another episode. I would love to Definitely. join you. We'll, the we'll first have a meeting many. and we'll we'll decide. Yeah, let, no, let okay. me know. You know, this is your show, not mine. So, yeah, it's been no, a lot we'll, of fun. We'll definitely have you on again. Yeah, Thank it's been you. Sounds like fun. All right, yeah. take care, everybody. We love you. We'll talk at you next week. Peace out. Peace out, and bye. bye.